0: This is the Two Tone Uncensored Podcast. Hosts Matt McCrone, Brian Moreland, and Glenn Watsonheiser talk every from Tennessee Titans. This show is made for the fans of Two Tone Blue.
1: this is Kevin Dyson, former Tennessee Titan, and you're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored.
2: This is Two-Tone Uncensored. I am your host, Ryan Moreland. With me, as always, the third best host on the show, according to HN Titan Up, Matt and What's up, Matt?
3: <laughs> it's HG. Don't ask me why he changed it, but he did. 13-3, baby. No one cares. <laughs> Not at all.
2: And also, you just heard from him. Glenn Lotzenheiser, who is now moved up to 48th in line for assistant special teams head coach.
1: Damn. Yes! One more every day, man. Another one bites the dust.
2: Yeah. Keep on moving, man. Uh, we got a really great show for you tonight. We're going to jump in with uh, questions here to start off, as we do all the time in the uncensored mailbag. First one comes from Devin Chase, and he asks, is it too early now to talk about the draft?" And do you think we should take a wide receiver or a cornerback first?
1: Yes, it's too early. Shut the fuck up. Well, <laughs> he, he he did add, he he did put a comment in there that he knows it's too early. You know, he's I think he's just having fun with the situation a little bit. But yeah, a wide receiver, cornerback, obviously, the two biggest needs of the team. Let, let's wait a little bit longer before we start digging into the draft. Yeah, to add another
3: page of the story there was another i don't want to mention his name and throw anybody under the bus but one of the guys in the group page happened to say that what we should do his plan to fix the titans was to first acquire alshon jeffrey next year in free agency which isn't a bad idea even though he can't stay healthy but he wants to draft a quarterback in the first round and that way, it'll create competition for Marcus. And, and then when Marcus steps up to the plate and, and becomes the quarterback we all want him to be, we can trade our first-round pick quarterback for, for who knows what. So that was his plan in the Titans. Uh, just like
1: the Chargers.
3: Yeah, sounds a little
2: bit. Isn't little that cool. how Drew Brees ended
1: up in yeah,
2: that's uh, true.
1: New Orleans? So obviously... Whatever team we traded him to would end up winning the Super Bowl, and we'd be sitting here looking like a bunch of shit. Then.
2: <laughs> That's always a good idea, though. You see a lot of dynasties start by when teams draft players in positions that they don't need players.
1: You know, extra depth at fullback always a key key role there. Yeah, exactly.
2: I I think it's too early to talk about it, and it really depends on the talent there, which you you would take first. It depends on what how it shakes out. I think with the wide receiver class looking as strong as it is. We might be able to wait a little bit and get a really good wide receiver with a later pick and go corner for first if there's a corner there that really deems it. I can't remember that kid's from Florida's name, but he's really impressive. Maybe maybe him. And Juju Smith is like, I mean, they talk about him like he's already a Titan. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that, it's, it's too early to tell, though, so far. Hey,
3: but. don't sleep on Mike Williams, and you could probably get him later in the first round.
2: There you go. I know that you're Can looking we for that talking about the draft connection. Now? All right, let's move on to the next one here. <laughs> Logan Gillespie sends this one in. He said, "When firing Bobby April, do you all think Robisky could go next with a poor showing against Miami and Cleveland? And then the follow-up is, how hot do you think the seat is for Robisky?"
1: I don't think this has any effect on Robisky's seat. You know, April didn't kick that punt. Brett Kern did that. He's the only one who outkicked his coverage and. Gave a rookie speedster like four all that room to run with. At the same time, our kickoff return units they, they've done pretty good. Our kickoff coverage units have done really bad there. You know, bottom two or three of the league. It's not a bad thing to fire him. It's just it's kind of a scapegoat. Hey, look, I'm putting everybody on notice. I definitely think it's more of a everybody stand up, understand that you can be replaced at any time situation. Not so much of a Bobby April sucks at his job.
3: He was definitely the scapegoat. Uh, In this particular situation, but at the same time, I I might even call it an overreaction, although I'm not like upset about the firing. He's obviously one of many of probably the members of our coaching staff that could probably be replaced and I really wouldn't care. Besides LeBeau, I'm not I'm not against malarkey yet. I know that it's slowly creeping into the red when it comes to Malarkey, but honestly, I think what would make a huge difference is replacing Rabisky because his uh, antics obviously just are not working. But I think the only way, and this might be getting ahead of myself, but the only way I think Malarkey gets fired after this season or during this season is if management demands Rabisky get replaced and Malarkey being loyal doesn't do it and they kick him to the curb along with Rabisky and whoever else needs to go.
1: I don't see Malarkey doing that either because this is his last shot at being a head coach. I think he'd fire his grandmother right now if it meant he could keep you know, the job one more year.
2: I was about to say that. I don't, I don't think, well, maybe not the grandmother part, but I don't think he's going to do that. I don't think he's going to stand up for anybody right now because this probably is, as Glenn said, his last chance. It's, I don't know. I think the seat's definitely hot. I mean, it's it's not on fire yet, but it's definitely warm. We haven't been able to produce at all on offense. Our defense is what has really kept us in these a lot of these Games. The only reason that we're able to stay, you know, close to a lot of these teams is they can't get over 20 points. So it's definitely warm to say the least. Definitely getting up to the hot. Level and I agree with the firing of, of Bobby April. I, it was a scapegoat. I don't think that he was doing a bad job coaching. I didn't think he was mismanaged. Actually, I think there's a pretty impressive improvement from special teams last year to this year. Uh, not the, like a huge leap or anything, but definitely a step forward. So I thought he was doing his job actually pretty good. I, I think that this was definitely a scapegoat, and I think it was a little bit of a overreaction. But you know, it was kind of send a message to everybody else, and and you know, there's a reason why we can't. Name the top five special teams, you know, coordinators in the league right now.
3: Yeah, you bring up a good point. I was actually about to ask you guys because the only former Titans special teams coach, coordinator, whatever. That I remember, well, I'll ask you guys first. Do you know who, who I'm talking about, who's, who's been around forever for us? Probably not. No. You got me. No. A- Alan Lowry. Do you guys remember him? His, son, his son was a safety. Um, he played at Penn State also, but he was a Titan for maybe a year or two. But he was our special teams coach for years. Other than him, I can't name one. Special teams coordinator at all.
2: Now that you mentioned the sun, I remember that. I mean, it is, it's not to say that it's uh, not important because obviously it is a a very important part of the game, but I don't think that really Bobby Eber wasn't doing a bad job. We were better all around, you know, on special teams than we were last season. It was a a bonehead kick there. Definitely outkicked his coverage, just like uh, Glenn just said. And it's not like April was the one that fired that punt. So, you know, I don't think that he deserved to lose his job, but in the end, For us, as Tennessee Titans, I don't really think it's going to have that big of an effect. But for Robisky, I definitely think his seat's warm. I think he knows it. You know, he obviously has to know it right now that his team needs to start improving, uh, especially in the passing game. I mean, the running game, we've got figured out. We need to figure out how to pass the football. Moving on to the next question here. This one sent in by Reg Bannick. And he asks, Murray will break down if we keep this pace up. Do we see more of Henry? So do you think that Murray... Can't handle this pace and do you think we're gonna see more and more of Henry?
1: I think there's the the idea that Murray's gonna break down and he can't handle running the ball this many times. We aren't running that many times. It's not like he's carrying forty times a game, let's be honest. This isn't like when the Dallas Cowboys just rode his back the all the all the way to the playoffs. You know, we're not running the ball enough in my opinion. The guys who want to see more of Henry, we got to run the ball more so that we need Henry on the field more. My biggest problem with the way we're using the running game right now is we're not letting these guys develop a rhythm. It's the same problem we had underneath Wizen Hunt. I don't know why we're doing it again. Maybe Malarkey is the problem. But you know, if you have two good runs, you're third and two, and you, you decide to start throwing the ball, and it doesn't work time after time, and you keep having to punt because of it, maybe you should try running on third down because you've got – you know, running backs are getting four yards a carry. Go ahead and give it a shot at third and two. You know, the uh, the punt, fourth and an inch. I was so mad. We don't run the ball enough for us to talk about being a smash mouth football team and have, you know, built the offense with the idea they're gonna be a smash mouth team. We throw the ball too much at weird times. Uh, we we break the rhythm too often. So I think that we need to run Murray more, let him get in. Four or five carries in a row. And, you know, when he starts to look a little bit gassed or a little bit slower, you throw Henry in there, you let him get four or five carries in a row, and you just, you, you ride the running backs. What's the point of having a a big physical line and powerhouse workhorse running backs if you're not going to work them? We we just keep breaking the rhythm and throwing the ball. You know, we we come out and we throw the ball twice on first and second down, and then all of a sudden we need to run for eight yards. That's not going to happen. I I don't like what they're doing with it, but I'm not worried about Murray breaking down. I think he can handle
3: it. Yeah. I think it's a two part question as far as no. DeMarco won't break down we're not we're not using him that much even though he's highly involved in the offense he can handle what we're giving him and he's proven it he's clearly our MVP on this offense we should see more Derrick Henry but not for that reason not because DeMarco can't handle it but I mean we need to utilize both our guys and make sure we can have Demarco later on in the season. Uh, if we're going to go anywhere with this season, I think he's going to be a huge part one way or the other. And honestly, man, I've been fairly impressed with what we've seen from the O line this year. I know, you know, before this season started, our our huge holes were O line and secondary. And even the secondary stepped up this game, but the O line, pretty much through all four games, they may not be you know elite by any means, but they've definitely improved from last year. That's the that's the most noticeable thing I've seen this year.
2: Yeah, I'll agree exactly with what you guys just said. I don't think Murray's at a breakneck pace right now. I don't think he can't handle this pace. You know, right now, if he continues, he'll be around 1300, between 1300 and 1400 yards for the season, and that's not anything crazy. And his touches would be you know towards the top of the NFL, but but you have to consider as well that there's not a lot of NFL running backs that have sole possession of the starting role in the NFL nowadays. Everybody likes to run by committee. And we, I think we should see more of Henry, but I think it's you know it's kind of what you guys just said is I just want us to see us run the ball more I think Derrick Henry can get involved a little bit more and see more touches because I want to see us pass the ball less than we are right now. Yeah, but I don't think he's being overworked. I don't think this is a crazy pace for him to be on. I think it's something that he can obviously handle. And last question sent in here by Chris Flint. What is more important, winning more games this year or Mariota's Mm -hmm. development?
1: It really depends on who you're asking. If you're asking... Mike Malarkey winning games. That needs to be his only concern if he wants to be the coach next year. He's got to win some games. Yeah, if you haven't figured out by now you can't keep up with the offense, then you don't need to be playing. That's not really how you view the situation with Mariota, but you know he doesn't really have the weapons. So I think what you know they're doing right now is they, the preaching that we got before the season was they're going to come out and they're going to run the ball a lot, take the pressure off of Marcus. Well, the problem is, is the play calling is putting Marcus in positions where he has to make plays on third down because they don't have the weapons to make plays on first and second down if they're not going to run the ball well. As far as John Robinson is concerned, it depends on how he, how he views it. Um, he may want to win the games right now to put some butts in the seats. He may want them to worry more about throwing the ball, but if Robinson was going to take that viewpoint, I don't think he would have gone through this much work to build up a running game. I think right now everybody understands that this team doesn't have the offensive weapons, and their two best players are running backs and a tight end. Until you get some receivers out there to make Marcus the kind of weapon that they foresee him being, it's just not, there's not much to be done about it until either the receivers step up or they get some better players out there. So I think they're just going to worry about trying to win games with the running game. Malarkey going to try to you know eke out some wins, you know, strong defense in the running game. And that's just going to be his concern. They'll worry about developing Marcus next year when he gets some talent around him.
3: Yeah, I agree completely with what you said. Um, if you're asking me, Mariota's development is way more important than, than the amount of wins this year because ultimately, end of the day, we want him in the long term and this season's really not going to go where any of us want it to go so easy answer for me but glenn's right as far as depends on who you're asking
2: yeah i think that uh development is far more important i don't even think they're in the same realm i want obviously i want to see us win but I know that we're not at the place right now where we're going to be a dominant team or where we're going to win a lot of games. So getting right now to the point where Mariota's is more comfortable. He gets better at throwing the long ball. Instead of your footing under him. Keep his eyes downfield those kind of stuff far more important to me you know this is about winning down the road we're not at a team right now that's going to put a lot of pressure we're not even a team right now that's going to put playoff pressure let alone you know getting further into the playoffs and hopefully you know to the ultimate goal one day that is what's always most important is to try to get to that ultimate goal of winning a super bowl and we're not going to do that this year. We're going to do that if Mariota um, can continue to improve, if the rest of this team can get to the point where we need them to be. So, yeah, I I think some fans, I think you're right, I think some fans would say the the wins are more important this year, but I think those are probably the same fans that think Matt Castle needs to be starting. (laughs) So, that's all we have for the mailbag. Thanks to everybody who sent in questions every week. You want your question heard, send it to us on Twitter, send it to us on Facebook. We love to hear from you, and we do it every single week. So, them in if you want yours in. But now we're going to head into the news here. Glenn going to lead us through the news. What do you have for us?
1: They fired Bobby April. We all know that. So not going to worry too much about talking about that one. Uh, they did replace him with Steve Hoffman. The players seem to like him. He's been around the team for, I think, it was four years. They make it sound like they're going to play better for him. Well, we'll see what happens on Sunday. Not, not a big deal. It's just another special teams coach.
3: You used to be a math teacher, for those that didn't know.
1: My thing is, is when you asked earlier about special teams coaches, probably the only one I could have named would have been Bobby April. Okay, so uh, in the press conference today, Malarkey did call out his wide receivers. said everyone has room for improvement. He was talking about Matthews and Sharp. Right. He also said the receivers need to step up and start making some contested catches to help out their quarterback. I've been saying this for weeks that these guys need to accept that they aren't physically gifted enough to just blow away the defenders. And for some reason, they're not running the you know the crisp routes that we thought that they would be using to get open. Obviously, the defenders are sitting down on the routes, you know, so it's harder just to work your way open with a crisp route like that. But you know, they're going to have to suck it up and start making some contested catches. It's one of the things when uh Matthews came in we all said you know we we love having him in here because he runs good routes he's got strong hands he's going to you know win battles for balls and most of these guys they're just not doing it.
2: Yeah they're I mean someone had to say it it's it's been terrible a lot of dropped passes like can anybody contest it and it was you know, I thought Taj did a good job of it in the first game, in this last game, you know, in the game before that, though, even him, it hasn't been impressive. Guys are here in footsteps. It seems like every wide receiver on this team has been guilty of it these last few games. It's become a huge problem, and it's getting to the point now where Marcus cannot get a rhythm. And I know everybody wants to pin it on Marcus, it's just because he's the guy, he's the face, you know, and that happens in any scenario. But Marcus can't build a rhythm, and if Marcus can't have confidence in his wide receivers then it doesn't matter how good you are you know Aaron Rodgers is not going to play good if he doesn't have confidence in his wide receivers and he can't build a rhythm Tom Brady's not going to play well under those conditions so it doesn't matter who you are if you can't have that with your wide receivers then it's then you're not going to play well and I think that's I mean 99% of the reason why Mariota is not being a very effective this year his numbers are way down I think that's a lot to do with it. Is his wide receivers just aren't let, giving him any opportunity to succeed with all the drop passes and, and everything.
3: Well, you talk about his numbers. This just in: breaking news from uh, Wesley Thornton on the group page. He just sent in all these Mariota stats that I'm about to read to you. Mariota in the shotgun is 63.3 percent completion rate with three touchdowns, one interception. Under center, he's 53.6%, one touchdown, four interceptions. Mariota with three or more receivers, 63.9% completions, two touchdowns, zero picks. Mariota with under three receivers, 56% completions two touchdowns with five picks. I mean, that's a huge difference. We got to we gotta spread them out way more. It all goes back to the play calls, man. We Truthfully, we really just got to get rid of Robisky, and I think we're going to have a lot more success if we do so. That was actually
1: one of the news items I was going to bring up was that list of stats. The thing is, you have to decide what you want to be as an identity for this team. Obviously, Mar- Marcus has a 91 quarterback rating with three wide receivers, has a 61 quarterback rating with two or less wide receivers. The problem is, is if you spread them out wide, and then you look at your running backs, you have power backs, guys who need a good blocking unit in front of them. So if you spread them out wide, you're not going to run the ball. Teams can focus on the pass. If you don't spread them out, Marcus isn't as effective as a quarterback. So you've, you've kind of got to make some decisions here on how you're going to go about it doing one or the other. Is you Are gonna are you going to put the team on Marcus's shoulders and ask him to win right now with this group of receivers? Or are you going to give it to Murray and Henry and ask them to Rumble down the field. Problem that you have is like Matt just said with Robisky. He keeps taking the ball away from our best weapons, and then throwing it out there to guys who aren't fighting for the ball. Who that Marcus doesn't have any confidence in. And malarkey said Marcus doesn't have confidence in his players. He said that in the press conference that he doesn't believe in his wide receivers because the wide receivers aren't fighting for the ball.
2: And you bring up like a good point here, Glenn. What I was going to talk about is, and you know, obviously Marcus has more success. You just heard the stats. Has more success out of the shotgun, but our running back, you know, DeMarco Murray, the main problem he had last year was he couldn't get ahead of steam buildup up because he was running too much out of the shotgun and he needs to to run out of under center and have those five yards to to push ahead to really be an effective running back. And so that's the problem that we're seeing is, you know, our quarterback thrives in this scenario and our running back thrives in the exact opposite scenario. So, you know, it's not just Rubisky in this sense it's we have two players that are like just fundamentally different and work best in completely fundamentally different offenses. And it's not like you can – I mean, we can try to blend the two, but if then you're getting to the point where teams know if you line up under center, you're running the football, and if you line up in shotgun, you're going to pass the football. And you have to have the – if defenses know that, then we're not going to be have success because they know exactly how to play us. You have to have that confusion in order to have a lot of success against the defense, especially at this level.
1: The element of surprise. Yeah, what Marcus needs most is he needs to develop a really strong play-action game, so he can take advantage of having those guys behind him. Because that way, when he hands off the whole defense pauses, he has an extra second, just like he would in the shotgun, to get you know get his eyes up the field and see what what's going on.
3: Yeah, have That's... you noticed that, I know in the first the first game he used it a little bit, but he doesn't pump fake as much as he should be, man. Because that that throws him off. the the He's a second year quarterback who DBs are basically feeding off of him. And if I mean, if he throws a few pump fakes out there, they're going to they're going to jump on that and it's going to open other things up whether it's a scramble or you know another receiver downfield. But he doesn't use that enough in my opinion. Not That's at all. one
2: thing that I want to see more is more of the bootleg. With his athletic ability and that you mentioned he does have a good pump fake. It's not just that he's not you know he's not using it and he should, but he's not using it and he has a very effective pump fake. And his athletic ability on that bootleg, he's just a nightmare. The one problem with that being is, one, we're not calling it enough – in my opinion, but two, our wide receivers are not getting separation. And, you know, when that bootleg, you're not going to be able to throw like right on the money passes because you have movement, unless you can get your feet set, but that's depending on where the defender's at. So you need to get, you know, that like one foot separation. So you have a bigger window to throw that football if you need to throw it on the run. Our wide receivers are not doing that. I mean, our, our wide receivers might as well be wearing the defense on their jerseys because they can't get separated from anybody. It's terrible. <laughs> But if your wide receivers can't do anything, it doesn't matter how good your quarterback is – it doesn't matter if his wide receivers are trash; he's going to be trash. You have to be dependent on the talent you have a wide receiver, and just right now, uh, you know, Marcus can't trust anybody that he's throwing the football to. You no,
1: know, I've been saying this early on in the uh, preseason; is he doesn't look his safeties off. You know, he he doesn't he, he doesn't use a lot of the tools that I think he needs to have a, a quarterback guru or just a really accomplished veteran quarterback in there. You know, so, someone who knows how to. Just a little head movement here. Just you know, swing your eyes across the field real quick before you come back to your guy, and you'll just give that safety a pause so that you, your guy has a one-on-one. I mean, we're not winning one-on-one matchups anyway. Well, let's try not to have an extra safety brought into the situation. The the, the pump fake, looking uh, defenders off. Those are the things that you see from a more developed, more experienced quarterback. I don't know that they got anybody on this uh, coaching staff that's going to help bring that out of him.
2: Hire Glenn Lotzenheiser.
1: Hire Glenn right now. I'm number 276 on the quarterback guru list, so.
2: Oh, well, then I'd hey. stick to the special teams, man. You have a better shot.
1: <laughs> I, I'm aware, but I'll, whatever it takes, I'll get on there. Hey, have you guys officially
3: got off the Tajay bandwagon?
2: I'm not officially. I was never that much on. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know if I was ever on, but. I'm not off the Tajay bandwagon, but it's—I mean, it's not like he's performing any worse than any other buddy else, and he should be performing a lot worse considering he's a fifth rounder uh, and you know the guys that we brought in. But I don't know. I mean, he's—he's he's probably one of the best wide receivers we have, you know. But that's not saying a whole lot.
1: My, my thing is, I, I never thought he was going to blow it up. You know, he just looked really good in the preseason, but he wasn't taken you know—facing the same kind of coverage he's going to be seeing during the regular season. You know, I thought that he'd be. Good. I thought we could trust him a little bit more than we've been able to, but I also didn't expect him to be able to physically outfight people for the ball. That was our concern, you know, with him coming into camp. Even he's just not strong enough to go take the ball away from people, and he's not fast enough to run away from people. So Marcus needs to give him good balls and safe only he can catch them, and maybe we start seeing him make some of those dives. For them, as opposed to fighting and going up over people to get in the ball.
2: You know what? He impressed me week one. I will say that like the, that was the closest I got to being on the bandwagon. I was at least looking at the bandwagon after week one, uh, and then he just everybody else on this team they hear footsteps and their hands turn to stone and they just can't catch.
1: Yeah, the receivers have gotten progressively worse over the last three weeks.
2: Absolutely.
1: But moving on, um, the only other thing that I got for us is I've got some injury updates. Al Woods pulled his calf Sunday. He's out for three to four weeks. As a response, they brought Antoine Woods back to the practice squad. They released Jordan uh, Leslie. I'm thinking that this probably brings a little bit more of uh, Austin Johnson into the mix. Maybe he actually dresses on Sunday for once. Or we could just see you know, a rotation of uh, uh, Klug and Blackson
3: at nose tackle. Either way, it's welcomed, man. I, I think any one of those three guys will help out. I mean, Woods is still – I like Woods too, don't get me wrong, but we need a, we need a change – basically a change of pace. Kluge's been playing well for, for whatever that's worth, but I definitely want to see more Blackson and Johnson.
2: I was going to say is Al Woods, is, he's been playing good this year. I haven't had a problem with the way he's been playing. But then again, is I think klug has been playing good this year. I think Blackson's been playing good this year. I've been pleasantly surprised by our defensive line – you know, we all know what we're getting with Jarrell Casey, but outside of Casey, I think that everybody's been playing decently well. We said it before the season started. I can't remember if it was uh, Matt or Glenn, but one of you said it, put it really well. Is you know, Klug just always seems to make the play when you need it. He always just seems to make the plays, and you know, he has been this year. When it's like, he it just seems like on third down, you're gonna hear his name. He makes plays when you need plays, uh, and but I, but out I Woods, you know, he's been. Uh, playing well, I, everybody on that defensive line, I think outside of Austin Johnson because we really haven't seen him uh, has been playing really really well and I, this sucks because it you know limits your rotation obviously, and it is a starter, but I don't I'm not overly worried about it because I have been impressed with how everybody's been playing
1: and that's what it kind of comes down to me too. Al Woods never blows me up with his ability or his performance, but he's reliable, he's consistent. We know he's gonna eat up the middle a little bit. he's gonna put a little bit of pressure up the center of the pocket. You know, So it's good to have him out there because you know what you're going to get from him. The other guys can do their job around him easier. They're not worried about trying to cover up for him, making mistakes, because he doesn't make any. You know, He's usually pretty much right about a B-level player.
2: He's exactly right. As a nose tackle, he eats space. And that's exactly what you want out of an average nose tackle. Is just eat space and and He does that well.
1: Okay, uh, Nate Palmer. Uh, he did some running today. He'll probably be back for the Sunday game. And Cody Riggs and Denoris Cersei are progressing. They're still not sure they're playing this next week. I'm sorry, Matt. It may take a little bit longer. I am okay with that. Never All right. <laughs> yeah.
2: One thing that I was a little bit surprised about, and I wanted to ask you guys this is when the season started. You know, before before the season started, I should say, I thought the gap between Cersei and Stafford. I never thought it was huge, but I thought it was much bigger than what I think it is right now. Would you guys agree with that or disagree?
3: I agree. I think Stafford's improved a lot. And I don't don't know if it's really Cersei that got any worse. I just think Stafford, who's still pretty raw, I think he has
1: improved a lot from where he was last year and definitely is closing the gap. I think Stafford stepped up a lot this offseason. The the competition actually did him some good because I, I seem to remember... Hearing, uh, he wasn't real happy when they brought Cersei in because he thought he was ready to make that next step. Uh, when Pollard left, so he, he, I think he believed that it was going to be his job and that he didn't get it. I think he stepped it up this year. Uh, he's definitely a lot more aggressive tackling. You, know, you see him all over the field. He's not always making the play. Sometimes he's a little out of position. You know, the whole defense takes bad angles all the time. It drives me insane. But but he's playing really well. I haven't noticed any drop off in the safety play between him and Cersei at all.
3: Yeah, you got to remember this dude's a seventh round pick from Rustin Webster's class. So
1: (laughs) he's definitely outperformed his uh, contract. That's all I really got as far as news goes.
2: All right, we're going to jump on a quick commercial break here, guys. When we come back, we're going to break down this Houston game and give a quick look forward at Miami.
0: You're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored, brought to you by Podbean.
2: Hey, this is Ryan and Rich from the Free Parking Show. Our show is a sports podcast hosted by four sports journalists and features shows like Beers and Cheers, Par for Discourse, and our NFL preview, the 32-team parking garage.
1: Check us out on Stitcher, Spreaker, and our website, www.freeparking.com.
0: You're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored, brought
1: to you by Podbean. Hey, this is Bo Scaife. You're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. Tighten up.
2: And we're back from that commercial break. We're going to hop right into this Houston game and sticking with the method that we've been going with so far, guys, let's talk about what we did on offense first, and then we'll move into the defense. So offensively, not a great game to say the least. What really stuck out to you on offense?
1: The most painful thing to me on offense was just the lack of rhythm. They jumped out to a big lead right off the bat, and we're slowly fighting our way back in there. We just The offense never seems to just go with what's working. They always try to get too tricky and switch things up. Just like they're trying to, they're trying to keep the defense off balance, but instead they're just keeping the offense out of rhythm. And, you know, we, we've all been harping on the offensive play calling. It's going to happen until the team, you know, goes out and dominates somebody. But it just, you, you watch them and they're, they're running well. They're, they're making good plays. I like that they took some shots deep. The running game was working well. They took some more shots deep, even when you don't complete them just throwing them out there. It's so much better for the rest of the team if you just take a twenty yard shot every now and then and just you, you sneak walker up, you sneak right up, you, you go down the field. And I one of the balls that Marcus threw deep, he actually hit his guy in stride. It was a beautiful thing to see. I think they need to just start taking those shots deeper. And it doesn't you don't have to have right on the field to take a shot deep either. You can do that with other guys if you'll hit him in stride. You just you gotta call the right plays and get people loose. Like the first First week we saw Delaney. They snuck him. They gave him a, a wide swing across the field. He's wide open. He catches the ball, you know, for a nice big gain. You can do that. You just have to design it in there and protect well enough to make it happen.
3: The long balls were definitely something that we need to work on. I think it was good to see them. Slowly but surely, the play calling has gotten slightly better, but it's still not up to par. And I'm, I'm going to harp on this until he gets replaced. I guess I don't know because when we lose close games every week, I feel like like you look at Buffalo Bills. They they fired Greg Roman. They beat who they beat the Patriots last week. Since firing their coordinator, two and zero. Will we go on a win streak if we replace him? obviously it depends on with who which if we were to stay with our staff would probably be jason michael who was our coordinator last year but i think even he has a way better offensive mind than Rubisky. i just think we really need to get that settled from the start so we can move forward with this team and you know whether it equals six wins eight wins five wins whatever it is we need to make the move sooner than later because it's not getting any better i hate the fact that we dig ourselves so deep in the first quarter it's like you don't put yourself in that position you're winning all these games we gave minnesota of the game, Houston, when you come back from a 14-point deficit to tie it up at at halftime and in the fourth quarter, when you're that close to winning the game but you're always playing from behind. It's these poor play calls. Yeah, we really need to
1: get Robisky out, out of the chair because he's he's definitely slowing us down and holding us back. Robisky isn't responsible for that punt return that gave him the lead and cost us the game.
2: I mean, you can hear how upset Matt's daughter is that Robisky's still with the team. I mean, it's really affecting her, I can tell.
3: She is pissed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you mentioned it with the Bills. Uh, they lose to the Ravens, lose to the Jets, fire Greg Roman, come out, beat the Cardinals, and beat the Patriots. Uh, two. very very good teams. Two great wins in a row. I don't know if it's going to be like that for us. You know, we saw it a little bit last year with uh, Philbin gets fired in Miami, and they take off for a little bit. And, you know, when we fired Wazen well, Hunt, the, the team was definitely different. There was a different mojo about him They definitely gave him like, a boost of energy, and it seems to happen a lot. That's what I was going to mention and forgot to with the special teams is maybe we'll see a little bit more fire in the special teams now that we have a new uh, special teams coordinator. But I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of firing coaches in the middle of the season and I know that that's the price that you gotta pay sometimes and that's the, the NFL. Well, coaching at all levels right now, it's just so finicky and it's such a, a fleeting thing that you have to stay on top if you want to keep your job and no job is really safe, but the rhythm is a huge problem. Glenn brought us up. It seems like as soon as we get a rhythm built we, and, and immediately lose it, whether it's a bad play call or a penalty, you know, they shouldn't have never had that field goal, but we end up getting a dumb penalty. They move five yards up, they hit the field goal and end up taking the lead. That should have never happened. The punt return should have never happened. And we just can't hold on to momentum. And another thing is penalties. Like, so many penalties. I think we had just about 100 yards worth of penalties in this game. And it just seems to be a common theme with us so far this season is we just put up a too many penalty yards, too many bonehead mistakes.
3: Did you guys happen to see what um, DeMarco Murray was quoted as saying after the game? As far as, like, now's not the time to panic. They know what they're doing wrong. They're gonna learn from it. Blah, blah, blah. Did you guys see that? Yes. Yeah. I agree with him. I mean, one and three is not completely out of the running, especially when Houston's leading it at two and two. So I mean, I don't have Super Bowl expectations by any means, but same time, you know, Houston started out this way last season, one and one and four, I believe, and they, you know, they they got to the playoffs. So I mean. We just got to correct what we're doing wrong now, and
1: not wait and see what happens. We need to address it right now, and you know, move forward with it. I'd say, you know, a lot of the mistakes that they make week to week, they fix them the next week. Marcus is doing a better job of not giving up the ball on the runs. I still don't like the way he carries the ball. He's got it out away from his body. He needs to have that sucker tucked up in there. But other than that, you know, they're they're making they're making small corrections. We threw the ball a little bit deeper, a little bit more this week. You know, next week if we do that, you know, a couple more times, and just start taking a few more shots and open up the offense. A little bit more. We have to accept that the coaches are on a learning curve with this roster too and what they can actually accomplish with them. I still don't like the play calling. I still don't like the way that they go away from the run when the run's working or if they're in a quick passing attack, all of a sudden they'll just run one right up the middle on a poorly blocked play and it gets crushed. I think Marcus needs to do a little bit better job of auto bullying out of some, some of the coverages that he sees. I've heard over and over again that he's got full control when he gets up to the line. The players have said that he can do whatever he needs to do when he gets up there. So part of that's on him just when he gets up to the line. and it looks like the house is coming. Maybe you don't run it off of the weak side of the offensive line, where there's not going to be any outside blocking coming. Maybe you at least swing it over to the strong side, and you'll switch the field the other direction or something.
2: The other thing, though, too, you got to think about is Marcus is thinking, do I audible out of a run to go past when I know my wide receivers are going to drop the pass? You know, the only thing that's working is DeMarco Murray. Do I really want to audible out of a situation where Murray gets the ball in his hands to try to do something that I know is not going to work, because my wide receivers can't be Trusted.
3: Do you guys think we give Marcus a pass? You know, because I know his stats. I don't know. Do you guys think you guys give or we give Marcus a pass
1: more often than not? Because if you look at the numbers, they're not there. I don't really give him a pass because I- I'm on him about his ball positioning. He's throwing behind his guys too much. You know, we talk about his receivers need to fight for the ball more. He needs to work on his ball placement. For a guy who's supposed to be just supremely accurate, there's way too many balls that are on the back shoulder of a guy who's got a, re- got a defender on his back shoulder. So basically, he's just defending the defender away from the ball to avoid an interception. The balls need to get out in front of his guys where his guys got the best chance to get the ball. It's like every pass he throws is a 50-50 right now, and we need to start swinging that a little bit the other way. The idea of having an accurate quarterback who doesn't have just a cannon for an arm is that he's going to put the ball in good spots and good time, and we don't see the timing as much. Earlier in the preseason, he was throwing some timing routes. He was leading his receivers. I don't see him leading the guys as much, I think in part because he's trying to be conservative and trying not to make a mistake but you've got to go out there and play the position, and you've got to go out there and be that leader and put the ball out ahead of your guys on their back shoulder whenever they're uh, they're going towards the sideline. You've got to position the ball better. The whole thing with Marcus is he's an accurate quarterback, but his placement of the ball lately, I don't like it as much. So that, that's a big part of his incompletions.
2: I'll give him a pass a lot of the time. I will uh, because of the, I know the talent that he has to play with, but there are definitely. I mean, he doesn't get a complete pass, absolutely. you watch that interception that he threw You know, in this game, when he's running, tries to throw across the body he did wasn't even anywhere close to the water receiver, he threw it directly to the defensive back. I mean, it was—I mean—it looked like the play was designed to throw it right to the defensive back. That was a bad decision, bad, poorly thrown ball. There, there's definitely mistakes. I loved. I think he did a much better job in this game of tucking that football. He still needs to get it up there. There's still too often he when he makes a cut, that ball comes off of his side. You know, it comes off of his flank. He's holding it out. That's a problem. That ball needs to stay like sewn to his ribs, and that is something that Marcus has been in his entire career had a problem with doing and he can't do it at that level because obviously going to cause turnovers but he doesn't get a complete pass but he does get a pass most of the time because of the talent level he's playing with
1: matt and i actually talked about that a little bit the interception before we came on tonight i I think that he was expecting walker to continue on the route and walker was thinking i'm going to sit down in this hole i found here so you can hit me with the ball because it looked like he was throwing the ball with the expectation that walker was going to keep moving and that's a relationship between him and his tight end thing where he had one idea his receiver had the other idea and that's why that ball looks so terrible going to the uh to the defender there
3: yeah that's the only reason i could think of because that was that wasn't even close to delaney that was right to quentin demps
2: right exactly one thing i would like to see us do is early in the football game try to get marcus easy passes to build his confidence because you look at this game he started what four for ten the game before he was five for ten we need to start getting him easy passes early in the game. Build build Some confidence, and you're also moving the ball down the field. So, I think that is needs to be key for Robisky for Malarkey. Get easy passes early in the football game, even if it means you know taking a lot or taking kicking a punt on the first drive, or maybe the first two drives, even if it just builds confidence because that means a third, fourth, fifth drive down the game where it's going to be mo- much more successful. But he has no chance to build that confidence in the last two games.
3: Let me ask you guys this uh, statistically speaking, what do you think Robiski has to do? Dude to keep his job? What, what do we need to see?
2: Luckily for Obisky, we have an easy stretch coming up. We talked about this earlier on a previous show. This is the next four games are all winnable games. And we've talked about it outside of the show. This weekend we were talking about it. You know, we have the Dolphins in Miami, Cleveland at home, the Colts at home, and then the Jaguars at home in the next four contests. Those are all winnable. The first two should definitely be wins right now. Uh, from what we've seen from Miami this year, and Cleveland's just a dumpster fire, the next two, Jags and the Colts, are tougher games for sure, but definitely still winnable. So I think he has a little bit of a breather here because the talent level that we're playing is going to go down, but I still think we need to see a, a big improvement. I'm going to say the rest of the season, I won't put a win-loss on it because I don't think that's going to be the case. I just think that we need to play much better. Our offense can't be the reason why we lose every single game. I think
1: Bobby April's your sacrificial coach for the year. He's their version of firing the offensive coordinator in Buffalo. As as far as they're going to go with coaches in season this year, unless one of that just does something stupid. Uh, I think the biggest thing Robisky has to do to come back and be here next year, assuming Malarkey's here, is that he's got to get this team on schedule. He's got to find a, a rhythm and a pattern that works for the players he has on the field. And he's got to do it really quick here because this is, like Ryan just said, his best stretch of games. He's got four games here where he can pretty much do what he wants. So he's got to make this work.
3: You guys feel like we're misusing Andre Johnson with the amount of plays he's actually playing, and do you think that's strictly Robisky's plan to save him? I mean, in my opinion, there's really no reason to save him. It's not like we're making a deep playoff
1: run this year. I would, I would get him on the field. A- a little bit more than what we're seeing right now. I don't oh. think that they're using him wrong. I would like to be able to feel more just for me because I think the young guys aren't getting it done. But he hasn't impressed me as much as I would have liked him to when he's had those opportunities to fight for the ball. He's not really doing a lot until like the fourth quarter when he is that he's the guy you want in the end zone in the fourth quarter. But I want to see more of that throughout the game.
2: I agree. I, I don't think we're using him wrong because I don't think that he's as good as a lot of people thought he was going to be. I think the fans went nuts thinking that we were going to get like Andre Johnson of 2006 or something when that's just not the case. He's still got some football left in him, but I think it's we should use him maybe a little bit more. I mean, who knows even if he's going to come back for next season. I'd like to see him use a little bit more. I was actually kind of disappointed we did not try to get Kendall Wright more involved in this game. Uh, than we did. I was
1: disappointed with how little we used right. Um, he, he obviously he's not going to be able to speak. I didn't expect much from him. But the the only other problem I really had with the offense was we on third down love that trips left set. We put three wide receivers and a bunch over to left and put somebody out on the right and we run that play almost every third down. And I know the idea is that you could run lots of different stuff out of it. You can bootleg Marcus out to the right like they did at one point. But I just I'd like to see a little bit more inventive play calling than hey we're going to use this one set and run ten different plays that. To try to confuse people.
2: All right, guys, we talked about the offense here. Let's move into the defensive side of the football. Again, it seems like we're saying this every week. More impressive, played a lot better than we did on the offensive side of the ball, obviously. What takeaways did you have from this game uh, from the defensive side of things?
3: Well, obviously, the main main point I want to bring up is the fact that we had at least two defenders turn their head when the ball was in the air. Well,
1: in this game, we have a lot of the same complaints that we always have uh, bad tackling, poor angles to make the tackles. Right as he was getting ready to make a tackle, I saw Williamson pause and he froze right when he needed to be attacking the hole. So, like, he wasn't sure where the running back was coming at him. So instead of just making a move, he paused and gave the running back time to run around him. I, I saw the corners finally step up, get tired of getting picked on. You know, we saw Cox and McCourty both make great interceptions this game. That was a real positive for me. The uh, defense as a whole kind of left me wanting a little bit more from them. Obviously, they were the only reason we were in the game. They made a lot of good stops. It helps when you're playing a bad quarterback. I mean, Osweiler, he's got a strong arm, but he hasn't ever proven that he's going to be a good quarterback in this league, and he didn't show us anything this Sunday. My star player, you know, despite the interceptions, was Carl Klug setting the example. I know um, he's been referred to by one of our guests as maximum effort, which I think is awesome. Carl Klug is maximum effort. He gives everything he's got all the time, and he ran William Fuller down 20 yards down the field. So when your defensive lineman is a guy who makes a tackle 20 yards down the field because the guy's too fast and getting away from everybody else and slipping tackles. He's to never give up, you know, I'm, I'm going to play until the whistle blows every single play. That's what I want the whole defense to do. That's what I want the whole offense to do, every single play.
2: Yeah, I will agree with you on the missed tackles. It seems like it's just a common theme on this show that we have to talk about it every week, but it is, it's just a constant issue. I will say that doesn't include the defensive line, for me at least. I think they've been playing well, but we need to be able to hit gaps better than we are. We need to square up up and make tackles you talked about it. we need to be more decisive as a tackling football team and until that happens we're going to be hurt by running backs especially these faster speed backs and scat backs are are tearing us apart which of course we have one next week which we'll talk about in a little bit but the other thing that you mentioned here is the corners getting their heads around finally uh, both of them getting interceptions in this game they did play better as a whole you know we just completely took um, Hopkins out of the game and he was a complete non-factor unfortunately. I have him on one of my fantasy teams, so that wasn't great all the way around, but at least, you know, it was great for us. And McCordy did an excellent job. This is this is an elite wide receiver and I mean he was completely non factor in this game. On the other side with Will Fuller that you know, that's a different story. Yeah, he cut us up pretty bad, but i was I was proud of um, McCourty. He really stepped up in this game, and he played excellent and Carl Klug, man, I'd be okay if we just renamed this show the Carl Klug show. I love this guy I mean, he's just an all heart, just a hundred percent effort all the time, and you're right. this is what we should see from our offense and defense all the time. Is this that effort? We've talked about it many times. It seems like every time his name comes up we just talk about the effort and how he always, you know, goes the extra mile, fights to make the play. God doesn't have all the talent in the world, but he has the exact work ethic that you want in a football player, and, and that's why he's able to overcome that gap in talent between him and some players, is because he just goes all out every single play, and he is a joy to watch on the field. And that tackle that he made, that's just a hustle play. That's that's the only way to put it. It's just a hustle play. One thing though to add on to this that we're talking about here on the defensive side of things is we've been playing defense from start to finish, great. In this game, it took us a while to get started. Uh, you know, they jump out to a fourteen nothing lead. Quickly, if I was not impressed at all with really how anybody was playing on the defense, and then it started it started to click after that. We started to get a lot more pressure on Osweiler, force him into bad throws, getting three and outs. From then to the rest of the game, we played a pretty good game defensively i mean considering that you know the one touchdown was in part because of a giant punt return that's you know you can't hang that on the defense so they played a, a pretty outstanding game after that but the slow start really had a huge effect on this game
1: before the game mike malarkey said we were going to come out we we're going to put the defense on their heels we we're going to put them out of rhythm we were going to come set the tone that's what he told our team if we won the toss, then the ball, and our defense was going to go out there and smash them around, and we were going to set a tone. Well, it was the exact opposite. Bill O'Brien came out there, and he ran the called plays the way I wanted our team to come out there and run the ball and pass the ball, and they were really successful right off the bat. We got behind. We caught up, but it was just too little too late. You know, one one mistake on special teams is all you need to lose a game. This team has been playing from behind all season. they got to figure a way to get a good start, and we've talked about the offense not being able to get a rhythm going. I don't think they're going to ever get comfortable until they get a lead running the ball controlling the clock that style requires you to have a lead or be capable of getting one fairly quickly so that you can control the game from there on out and we have yet to do that and see that happen so until they can either find a way to get an immediate turnover maybe a turnover for a touchdown on the defense to start a game that would be a nice way for us to get a lead the defense can come right back with the offense having to come on the field at all settle for that whatever it takes but we've got to find a way to get a lead and these next four games, this is going to be our chance for the offense to kind of get things rolling, and maybe they build some confidence and build a rhythm to close out the season as they have a much tougher series to end out the year.
2: Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, the only game that we've won this season, we led one minute and 26 seconds, I believe. You know, We have to start getting out early, and this is, we have two games, not only for easier wins for us to get us back on track uh, season-wise, but I think also building confidence and setting, you know, righting the ship, getting the right momentum, or on the right side of momentum, at least, uh, moving forward. I think these two games should, I won't say they will, they should put us where we need to be at. Defensively, one more thing I want to add before we move on to the the Miami game, was in this game, and it it continues to be a problem, we touched on it a little bit, but it doesn't just seem like the bad tackling now. It seems like our linebackers don't know how to hit gaps, and it seems like when when the gaps are there, they just get confused, and not so much on Williamson, but I watched Woodyard do it on two different plays that I remember. The gap is like right to his right and instead he moves to the left hand side and you have to be able to read that you have to be able to get in there you have to be able to make a play and both of them resulted in a first down in which he could have made a play one would have made the putt the other one would have moved it the third down we have to be able to make those kinds of plays and get in the gap that's an easy read for a middle linebacker to make you know not a, a crazy hard thing to do and to get in there and just have a presence in the gap nine times out of ten is enough to stop the play. Even if you don't make the tackle, you'll be able to slow him down enough that someone in that area can make the tackle.
1: You know, I've never really noticed Woodard being the guy who comes upfield in a hurry and makes plays at the line. He's always kind of been a close to the sideline guy to me. Uh, Williamson, you would think, would be more of the impact tackler at the line, but he has the same problems like you just laid out for Woodard where he doesn't seem to want to commit to the hole and part of that is you you want to maintain you know some separation so that you can move to the ball if you end up guessing wrong but at some point someone's going to have to make a move on the line cuz the the defensive line can't be expected to stop every play in the backfield, and if they're not blitzing the linebackers, have to be ready to fill that hole in a hurry. Like you were saying earlier, it's kind of an all or nothing with our defense. Either you gain nothing when you run the ball against us, or you gain 7 to 15 yards.
2: Absolutely, and that's what it feels like, and it's getting to the point where, you know, for most football fans, I think you watch the game and when your defense is on the field, you're a little bit nervous, and when your offense is on the field, you get excited. The chance to score points, obviously, much higher, but now, being a Tennessee Titans fan, when your defense comes on the field, it feels like a sigh of relief and when your offense comes on the field you start getting nervous you know things are backwards because of the way they've been playing I will say this is probably the weakest performance we've seen from our defense and that's a good that's a compliment rather than than a slap on the wrist It's because we've defensively we've had a good year we've been playing pretty solid defensive football this one we played really great you know for three quarters it's just that started that football game those first two drives were not At all good. You know, Osweiler was starting to look like Montana back there. But then we made some adjustments. Uh, You know, Dick LeBeau, obviously a great football coach, makes the right adjustments. And, you know, for the rest of the game, uh, we played a pretty damn good uh, defensive football game. We need to continue to keep that style of play up, to keep that level of play up on the defense, and to give our offense a chance to make something because... I don't know. their defenses are saving grace right now. We if we can figure out something on offense. You know, this team is going to be a team to be reckoned with. Just think about Every game we've been in is winnable if our offense would have performed. All of them were close, and even the Minnesota game, which was the furthest gap in points, it was turnovers that lost us that game. It was you know the offense turning the football over. It wasn't the defense uh, allowing touchdowns, you know, allowing points go up. If our defense can continue this level of play and they figure out something, whether it be Robisky or or getting rid of him as we talked about earlier, if someone can get a spark in this offense and find something. That really works, and we can start scoring points. You know, this it's going to be a a pretty damn good football team.
1: Yeah, this was definitely our biggest struggle on defense, and you know, this was the first game I think we all called that they were going to lose. The the other ones, we all kind of felt like there was a good reason why they should be able to win those games. This game, they fought harder and they came closer to winning um, in a lot of ways. That. Special teams debacle is the only reason they really lost the game. Mariota's interception, I, I didn't really worry about that too much. It's the play calling, breaking the momentum of the offense by, you know, I said it earlier. When, when you throw the ball on third and short instead of running it and you never run it on third and short, you're not playing to your strings, which is the running game. When your defense is holding teams to around 13, 14 points a game, there's no reason the offense shouldn't be able to manage at least that and win. The problem that we've had is our wide receivers have been underperforming and our cornerbacks have been getting burnt all day long. This game, the Texans were better prepared to score on us. They did a good job. I think, like we kind of said, after the slacking they took from the Patriots, they they were on fire. They came out. They were upset, and they found a way to win. And they put quite a few points up on the board. I mean, they put 20, which is the most we've given up as far as the defense is concerned. So the defense, this game needs to be their worst game of the year. Um, It is so far, I'd like it to be the worst game for the rest of the year going forward.
2: No, and I agree. And really, all in all, it's not a terrible game for a defense. This is, I would say, just below middle of the road in the NFL as far as the defense can play. But we've been consistently above middle of the road this year. Luckily, we have some easy matchups coming up, as we've said. And I'm going to start with a road visit to Miami to take on a Dolphins team that is really struggling right now. Very winnable game, am I wrong, Glenn?
1: This is a game where we're playing a team that's a lot like us. They have a running back in Jay Ajayi who, who can, he can hurt a defensive unit if they don't tackle well. We've seen DeMarco Murray that if you don't wrap him up, he's going to make you look bad. Their quarterback isn't the strongest arm guy in the world. The difference is their wide receiver core is a whole lot faster than ours. We took Rashard Matthews from them, and he was the slowest guy in that receiving unit. The problem that we have, our offense is compared together fairly well. Marcus is much more mobile than Tannehill, but Tannehill's a more established quarterback as far as throwing the ball. He's definitely more polished in pocket passing. On defense, I like our defense a lot better than I like their defense. Um I really don't see why we can't get down the field and score against this defense. They do have you know, a good player at pretty much every level, but the guys around those guys, they're okay. Uh, their defensive line is a strong suit of their defense, just like ours is. But I think we can block that group, and I think we can run on them. I think we can run inside and outside on this defense. So this is a, this is definitely a winnable game. This one needs to be the turnaround game. I think a lot of people are kind of circling this one as the game that Mularki has to win. If he's going to turn this around and get to that, you know, hopefully six wins for the year. So this needs to be the first step. We're playing a, a team that can be beaten. We saw them play the Bengals this last week. And, you know, the, the, other than that terrible orange color that they had on, they looked a lot like our team. Um, as far as I would see us going up against a team like the Bengals. The Bengals are a playoff caliber team. I don't like to think of them like that, but they are. Um, I think that we would probably have about the same result if we played them right now. But I think head-to-head, we have a better shot against the Dolphins than the Dolphins had against the uh, Bengals.
2: Here's the thing is this Dolphins team this year, 1-3, and that one win was barely escaping with a win in overtime against the Browns. Not a good football team right now. This is definitely a winnable game for us even though we're traveling to Miami to play When we're on offense, we're looking at a really good defensive line. They do have a very talented defensive line. And then we're looking at one of the worst linebacking cores in the league, in my opinion. Kiko Alonso is not fitting well right now. I know he is a good player. The talent is there when he's healthy, but I don't know if it's just learning the new scheme or what it is right now, but he's not been playing well. And outside of that, the talent level is pretty low. So I don't think this. I think it's going to be easy to run the ball as long as we can block that defensive line. Because I don't. I think I see a lot of missed tackles in the future. I see Demarco Murray getting a lot of you know yards after contact in this game because I don't have a lot of faith in their linebackers. Their secondary is average. You know they're not terrible. They're not good. You know they're an average secondary. So this is a defense we should be able to move the ball against. I think we have a lot of matchups. Um, If our wide receivers come to play, especially Kendall Wright getting back in the swing of things. I think is going to be a huge for our offense. I know that we've been critical of Wright, but given how the low level of talent we have at wide receiver, Wright's going to be huge for us. Once we get him going, I want to see him get a lot of more targets in this game, and I think that's going to be a key for us to win this game is to get him in open space because you he, know he's just when you get Wright in open space, he's so deadly. Uh, you saw last year Marcus's first touchdown was you know sixty yards. On a, what, like a 12-yard pass. Because Kendall Wright's so hard to catch. So I want to see us get him more involved. And I want to see us pound the football. Because I think with their, like I said, their linebackers aren't very good. I think we're going to be able to move the ball on the ground very well on the other side of things it's all about getting pressure there JJ is a kid that I like he's got a lot of talent has solid hands he's not real polished right now though I'm not too intimidated by him I think he can give you problems because of his speed and elusiveness almost along the same lines that I was just talking about Kendall Wright the open field but I think if we can do a good enough job on that defensive line of keeping him from getting to the outside and I think we do a great job of that normally you know, when we are getting burned, it's it's right up the gut. A lot of these longer runs are when they attack us. Not right up the gut, I won't say that. But inside the tackles, outside of the guards, is that those two gaps really screw us over lately. I think if we can keep them inside of there, we won't have a problem. Then you have to get pressure on Tannehill. They do have a talented group of wide receivers here. In Miami, two young, up-and-coming wide receivers. But if we can get into Tannehill's head, it's game over. The Miami Dolphins are not going to be able to beat you because that's the only thing you know that they're going to be able to do successfully over and over again. This football team isn't set up to run the ball well. Well, that's just not... What they're going to be able to do, especially with Foster out. They're going to have to throw the ball. So the key for me in this game, it's going to be even for both sides of the ball. The key for me is getting pressure. If we can consistently have a hand in Tannehill's face, then there's no reason why we can't just destroy this Dolphins team. But if we let him set in the pocket, he is the good enough quarterback that he's going to destroy us and he has good enough weapons out there, Landry, you know, Devontae Parker, that they can carve us up if we give him time. So that's going to be the thing that I'm looking for the most in this game can we get Tannehill, uh, can we get to him, can we put him on his ass, can we take him out of the game?
0: Uh, it
1: looked to me like Morgan and Aragpo were kind of on a mission to make pressure last week, and it really worked out well as far as keep, keeping Osweiler under pressure. There, there were stretches of the game where Osweiler could have you know, made a cake back there and frosted it and everything. We have to get consistent pressure throughout the game. I think the absence of Al Woods may actually help that as we'll have – Younger, more agile people in there at the center of our defensive line. So maybe we get a little bit more pressure up the middle and kind of force the quarterback to step left or right because they never have to do that. If a quarterback can just stand there in the pocket and even if he knows he's going to get hit, if he can just stand there and just wait a minute to throw the ball, he's going to have a good shot at completing it. You've, you've got to make guys like Tannehill move their feet a little bit. Tannehill isn't completely slow and immobile. He doesn't have the strongest arm. So once you get him off of his base, he has a harder time making on-target passes. So like like Ryan said, we have to make sure that we got pressure. We have to move him a little bit in the pocket somewhere. I don't care how you do it. If you just overload one side, just move him to his left so he's you know throwing a little bit off balance. Whatever it is, we've got to find a way to make him move, and that will give our corners a chance to make plays on the ball. Cersei being out again, I'd kind of like to see more of Byard as opposed to uh, Johnson. I think Byard and Stafford together are a deadlier pair than Stafford and Rashard Johnson, who Johnson did make a good play this week. He also made a bad play this week. Uh, he's, he's really been a lot more average than I thought he was going to be when we signed him. Uh, he, he looks like our other safeties. So if the experienced veteran isn't elevating anybody else's game, I'd like to rotate Byard in a little bit more and put someone who's got a little bit more speed, a little bit more youth out there and see if he can't get a little bit more involved and find ways to pick off some balls.
2: I was kind of expecting average out of Johnson, to be honest. Um, he had six interceptions last year playing on one of the most talented secondaries in the league, and we didn't break the bank to get him. That, that tells you something. He's... He's a real boomer bust guy. He's either going to make a highlight play or he's going to give up a touchdown. So it, he kind of averages out, though. A lot of those boom and bust guys end up being a lot more bust uh, than boom. But he, he does average out the plays. As you said, yourself, one good play, one bad play. And, you know, kind of averages himself out. <sighs> I'm a little less on seeing Bayard yet. You know, I like the kid. I, uh, obviously, the work ethic. I just don't know if he's ready yet. I love the way Stafford's playing right now. Maybe work him a little little bit in. I just I don't want to put him in a place where, you know, he becomes a liability or, you know, shatters confidence early in his career. This would be a good game though if you're going to if you really want to put him in. These next two games are where you should get him snaps cuz we're playing a far below average quarterback and Tannehill being like right at kind of the NFL average. So that might not be a bad idea. I would love the idea of Aaron Wallace coming in. I really like him. We've talked about him a lot on the show. I think, as I said, getting pressure on Tannehill, because you look, I wanted to talk about this real quick. Watch him when he throws on the run. Tannehill's pretty athletic. You know, he's deceptively athletic. Guy played wide receiver for a little bit in college, remember. He can move, but he does not throw well on the move. If he doesn't have time to set his feet, Before he fires downfield, he throws a lot of interceptions when he tries to throw on the run. You know, he is a pretty, he can be pretty mobile, he can hurt you with his legs, but he does not throw off of the run very well. When he can't reset his feet, uh, he throws some bad balls. So if we can get him to the point where he doesn't have time to set his feet, you know, we can make some big plays on defense if we can get to that point, but... You said it last week, Arakpo and Morgan really seemed like they were making it their mission, and they did a good job. This was, though, I mean, Morgan has impressed me before, obviously, but this game, really, he, man, did he look good and really went after the quarterback. We need to do that right from the jump, right from the first snap, send Arakpo and Morgan, get Tannehill uncomfortable, get him moving, and make big plays off of
1: it. Yeah, we've definitely got to get pressure up the field. Like I said, I need some from the middle, too, and I need them to do it without exposing – the linebackers to have to make plays if they end up do running the ball but definitely it's all about the pressure this week i think that they can probably do a good job of challenging the receivers early give the defensive front time to get there especially if like you said they make it their mission they're on top of him early and often and they just just hit him and move him around a little bit and i think you can break this offense and then our offense we just have to make sure that we're sticking with a plan. I've been saying this all week in different forms that I just, I really want them to either run the ball or pass the ball and just go with it instead of worrying about every other play or every two plays doing the exact opposite of what you were just doing and trying to trick it up. I could even see, you know, Malarkey saying, hey, look, something's not working here. We, we've got to make a change and just trying to tinker with the offense some more. We saw it a little bit this week with throwing the ball deep. This is a team that you can throw the ball deep on their cornerbacks. These aren't guys that scare you. So, I really think that if we pound the ball up the middle, we let Mariota get out there and just freelance a little bit, if the receivers will do their job and stay in the play and get open, and they, they can get on some kind of a rhythm and a schedule that we can dominate this defense. And so this is a, a winnable game. I would definitely pick them to win this game. I'm going to go out on a limb and say we actually win by 10, which would be a huge number for this offense. Uh, that means some good things happen for us on defense and on offense. This, this needs to be the tone setter game. Otherwise, I think, We're kind of playing for our bye week. And then if we haven't made big adjustments and things haven't turned around by our bye week, I expect Malarkey to go in there and kind of retool what we're doing and how we're doing it. If, as we were talking earlier, they were going to replace Rubisky, that you would do it you know, as that bye week comes up. You, you would play game that week, and then the next day you would go ahead and make the change and start trying to do something different. So for all of these coaches, this has to be a must-win game, and I, I think we can do it.
2: I agree. I think we can do it. And that's where, heading in here to our picks, as we've done every week, I think 10's a little... A little high for me right now. I don't know if I can go with that, just because of I'm still gonna worry about us throwing the football because we've been doing a fantastic job of beating ourselves when it comes to throwing the football, rather than letting the defense that we're playing beat us. Uh, and the one problem with that is, you know, every week we're gonna have to go up against us. <laughs> so I think that this week. My official prediction is I think we're going to end up winning this game 24-21. to 21. I think it's going to be a tight game like that. And, or Actually, I'll say 24-20 will be my prediction. I think that this is a very beatable team. We should be able to win, but I'm not expecting us to get 10-point victories yet, just because I haven't really seen enough yet from our offense to feel confident enough to call that. Even against a team I think we should beat. But you're exactly right. We have to win in these next upcoming games, especially the next two. But in the next four, we need to be able to win uh, at least three of them, um, you know, to really be shown to really save jobs at that point and to really show progress, at least in my eyes.
1: Yeah. The the reason I'm going out with Ted is. I'm expecting something good from our defense. Uh, they Instead of relying on the officials to take away a touchdown, they, they do an interception in the end zone and run it back for a touchdown. Let's say that happens. Or else the special teams goes nuts for their new coach, their old coach. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say 24-14.
2: Well, there you have it. Those are our official predictions. Be sure to keep a lookout. We are going to do the poll this week. The poll is going to be what will be our record after the next four games, how are we going to play in the next four games, and what's our record going to be on the outset? We did this, at, you know, earlier in the year. We're going to do it again here because of the next four games. You know, we all have said before, all four of these winnable. So that's going to be the poll question this week. Be sure to look out. Glenn's been writing fantastic articles. The Know Your Enemy article. They come out every single week. Gives you a lot of insight, a lot more than we can do on the show here. Uh, end of these games that we are going to end up playing. So Miami coming up this week. Look, Keep a lookout for it. These articles are fantastic. If you're not reading them, you really are missing out. And I'm not saying that just because it's on our site and it's a my friend, but they are fantastic and really good, give a lot of insight. So definitely check that out. Um, and as always, watch the game. Root for your Titans. If you can make it to Miami, go to Miami, and let's take home field advantage away from them, and let's tighten up.
1: Tighten up.
0: Thanks for listening to the Two-Tone Uncensored podcast. You can listen to the show at twotoneuncensored.podbean.com or by downloading the Podbean app on your mobile device. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at 2 and like us on Facebook.